This episode was brought to you by cyborg.com.au. That's P-S-Y Borg. Part mind, part machine. Hey, Daniel Borg here from Cyborg and welcome to episode four of Untethered. Today I had the absolute pleasure of chatting with longtime client, clinical psychologist Brendan Knott of Contextual Interventions. I've been working with Brendan over the past few years where I've been helping him with his business's branding. In this podcast, we discuss psychology, therapy, and human behavior. We tap into COVID-19 and how people have had to change and adapt. And we also talk about how psychology is used in advertising and design thinking. We get a little personal where I discuss my own experiences with a psychologist and how this has really helped me navigate my own path. Take a listen and be sure to rate us on your favorite podcast streaming service if you enjoyed our conversation. Since you're all here, what does the future mean to you? Once you've learned to think you can't stop, how does it fit into your everyday life? It's about this that I I want to talk with you. Untethered with Daniel Borg. Brendan Knott. Good to see you. Yeah, good to see you, mate. Um, I just um, thank you for coming on the podcast, mate. Um, I've been um, really excited to be able to have you on the on the show and um, I'd love you to talk a little bit about yourself mate tell tell us your background um, nice. tell the tell my guests why I love you so much <laughs> <laughs> well thanks for having me it is uh, yeah I, this is not a I've, I've definitely done one of these before so yeah it's a bit uh, you know nerve-wracking to be sitting here and doing it but uh, yeah so my name is Brendan. Uh, I'm a clinical psychologist. Uh, I've known you for a long time. Uh, we've worked together on uh, quite a few different projects that you've helped me out with over the years. Um, yep. So I guess mainly what I do, I'm a, a clinician, so mostly I work um, in private practice. Uh, I used to work in the public health system for many years, so uh, I do private practice psychology and I guess I also do teaching work and uh, training work in psychology and I guess really I've just got an interest in, in kind of the application of, of um, kind of the, the principles that we use in clinical psychology really just for kind of helping uh, with behaviour change really in kind of, you know, in a broad range of fields, I guess. I think kind of psychology is applicable wherever you've got human beings behaving, you, you've got some uh, yes. relevance for psychology. So I'm kind of interested in that broad application of psychology. Exactly. And that's probably one of the things that I was gravitated me to you as a as a colleague and a friend is just being able to talk about design thinking and advertising and how that relates to psychology um but i do want to talk about clinical psychology you mentioned that's your main role uh what's the difference between a clinical psychologist and a psychologist i think a lot of people want to know that like they hear the word psychologist but then you hear someone say no i'm a clinical psychologist and um yeah i'd love to you extrapolate on that a little bit yeah sure it's, it's really just like a, a, a training thing basically it's like mm. the uh you can be a registered psych uh you know you you do your uh, undergrad university uh, and then you kind of do training and, and supervised practice after that mm. and uh, the, then to be a clinical psychologist you can go and do like a post-grad degree like you can do a clinical master's or a yep. clinical phd so it's really just the, the difference in in kind of um training i suppose how much formal training that, that there is behind it so that that's the only difference really so there's no there's no difference in the actual counseling scenario where you're sitting with a patient like or you just no, have more... d- depending on where you work no uh yep. Yep. often psychologists and clinical psychologists will be sort of working with the, the same right. kind of relations of, of people yeah 
Okay, okay. So uh, what are some typical patients that you speak with, like the typical scenarios or, or ailments that you have to help people with? Um, yeah, well, it's, it's very broad, really. I guess yeah, that, you know, I kind of, the people that, that I would usually work with, um, mainly it's just kind of people who, you know, at, at some in, in some way through the course of their life, they've kind of gotten stuck. They've gotten some stuck in kind of, you know, patterns mm. that are not working well for them or habits that are kind of, you know, self-defeating or that are kind of causing them more distress. Uh, yep. So usually it's just kind of, you know, people coming along with some variation of, of that. I mean, I guess the mm-hmm. um, the way that the particular kind of approach that I would take to, to psychological treatment um, is we're, we're kind of not really um, into... I guess treating psychological problems as though they're diseases or, you know, as kind of like treating, you know, the disease of depression yep. or, you know, those kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the approach that, that we would take is a, is, is kind of like a, a much less pathologizing, less kind of medicalized, you know, approach in that sense is more a behavioral approach, like helping to uh, help people kind of recognize, I guess, how they uh, might've fallen into certain, um, maybe ways of kind of managing their own emotions or their own difficult thoughts that might have become problematic for them over time uh you know all ways that they've kind of been managing stuff in the in their external environment like their relationships with other people and uh, those things so really it's kind of just trying to help find those areas where they've they've been getting stuck and and sort of you know uh finding ways to kind of help them change those kind of trajectories towards more meaningful and and, uh, more kind of purposeful life directions so it's, it's analysing their behaviour, finding their patterns and then helping them improve that and change that behaviour, basically. Yeah, you know, in, in a direction in towards yeah, in stuff direction that's important possibly. to them, I suppose. Like, yep. it's, yeah, yep. so, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Excellent. And, you know, we're all been, well, the whole society, the whole world has gone through a strange time now with COVID-19. Um, all of our behaviours have changed. So I bet you've probably seen a different angle for your patients at the moment. Like, maybe they're coming in because of COVID-19 or they're actually enjoying COVID-19, it might be more their normal lifestyle. So, yeah, have you got any... No, it's a, it's a good point. You, you're right. I mean, it's, um, the, the, someone, I think, summarised it really well. There was a post that was kind of uh, going around on social media a few weeks ago about um, originally there were, people were sort of saying, you know, we're all in the same boat with this COVID-19. Yeah. Like, it's this global kind of, you know, phenomenon that's affecting all of us. But, mm. you know, this particular post, I can't remember the author, but they were sort of saying, you know, we're not really all in the same boat. We're all in the same storm, but we're in right. different boats. You know, different boats. Kind of yep. your, your boat might be kind of faring a little differently to my boat, depending on the condition yep. of the boat and all these sorts of things. And it's, I think there's there's something to be said for that, that it is a global uh, like phenomenon, but it's also a very individualised mm. kind of phenomenon. And I think it's it's had, you know, the people that I've spoken to, whether it's clients that I've been working with or just people yep. I know in my uh, day-to-day life or myself, mm. um, it's just has affected everyone in such individualized ways. So some, yes. some people, like you said, some people are actually kind of loving quarantine, you know, some right. people are yeah. thriving in quarantine and, mm. uh, uh, you know, it, it's, and, and they've been able to kind of, you know, maybe they've been able to be really productive or maybe they just kind of, you know, quite like the, the social isolation, mm. uh, you know, a lot of introverted people that, that you know, I've, I know have been kind of talking about how much they're just kind of loving the break from the constant I, sort of social pressure. Um, like the introverted people feel normal. In this time, <laughs> yeah, well, they got permission. Right? Yeah, yeah, they, they got, got permission. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to make up excuses anymore. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, catch up for a coffee. Uh, uh, but but on the the other end of it yeah. is that you know people equally are, are you know hugely distressed by the social isolation as well, and some people are really struggling under the the weight of that. 
Um, you know, so I think it's it, it, depending on you, your circumstances, your situation, yeah. um, like even, you know, families, as an example, some families are doing mm. really well um, under the conditions, spending more time together. But for some uh, families, it's been, you know, uh, obviously there's, there's kind of chaos, chaos. you know, yeah. ramifications, there's increases in domestic violence, there's, you know, uh, mm. increases in sort of substance use. So there, there's there are all these different impacts that people yeah. kind of have. Different different boats as you say basically yeah totally. yeah yeah and um i mean your business is esteemed psychology and we've worked together on your branding also um with your partner and we've also uh you know worked on your website and things like that and you've also got your own business contextual interventions where we've worked together there on some things um talk to talk to me a little bit about contextual of interventions and and what you guys do there yeah, sure. So contextual interventions is, um, I guess, so I've been practicing psychology for a long time, nearly 20 years. Mm. Um, and then I guess probably maybe for the last 10 years, I've also done uh, sort of lecturing work um, at the University of Newcastle uh, in areas like acceptance and commitment therapy and contextual behavioral therapies. And I, I kind of, after I had done the teaching work for quite a while, I, I kind of enjoyed that part of the job and I, I kind of like doing diverse ranges of things. So contextual mm-hmm. interventions was sort of, uh, I guess, the, the business that I set up so that I could do more training work. Um, yep. so really through that, mainly the two things that I do, one is, is training workshops for yes. uh, clinicians, I guess any clinician in the helping profession. So for psychologists, social workers, or, uh, you know, counselors, GPs, psychiatrists, mm-hmm. any, anyone in those kind of fields, uh, really look, uh, helping to kind of you know, train them up in, in the kind of contextual behavioral science, functional analysis, acceptance and commitment therapy. Those things may not mean a lot to people listening, but yeah. you know, particular areas of psychological treatment. Um, and also kind of to, to produce resources. So I kind of have been filming a bunch of kind of clinical education uh, resources and I do sort of tailored training, I guess, for different organizations. So I can kind of, so- yeah. You, I mean, you're training other psychologists, you're training other health professionals, you sort of, um, you know, you mentioned that the, the brand is contextual intervention, so it is about contextual behaviour therapy, is that right? Yeah, that so there's a, yeah. a kind of an area Branch. of contextual behavioural yeah. science yeah. is like this, yeah. kind of okay. branch, which yeah. is kind of the, the I guess, the, the area where, um, you know, that I would sort of, you know, position myself uh, in as a, being the, the area that I would align with. Um, mm. And yeah, the, underneath that kind of broad banner is uh, like a, a range of different kind of, you know, uh, treatment methodologies and uh, you know, behavioral kind of technologies, I suppose, that, uh, that yep. can be implemented really broadly. I mean, that, the nice thing about contextual behavioral science is that it, the, the sort of the change processes that you're working with are really broadly applicable. Mm. So you can kind of apply them in, in so many different areas. So it's, it's really just about, uh, yeah, and it's been uh, kind of a really the cool part of the job is they're getting to work in, in lots of different kind of fields um, with, uh, with all sorts of different professionals really like yeah uh, so it's, it's yeah i enjoy I that mean, when, it's excellent and when i think about contextual like the concept of context which we sort of talked about when we designed your logo um it's like this onion effect of context um where you've got layers of context right and and I, for me as a designer, I have to think about context all the time. So when I create a logo or a brand or a, a particular piece of advertising, I'm speaking to a particular audience and I'm pulling them into a particular context. So, you know, you, you, you're talking about stereotypes or 
cultural sort of facets that you play with because there are particular contexts. I mean, how do you see context or the concept of context? I think yeah, like yeah. from... Well, we sort of see every... I mean, in, in contextual behavioural science, you would sort of look at everything as being just like an event in context or an act in context. Like even yes. like you and I doing this uh, podcast, right? Like, I mean, you, mm. you know, you're like you doing this today, um, you know, like you you have some kind of... There's a, there's a history behind that. Yep. Like there's a purpose behind what you're kind of doing, mm. uh, you know, and, and why you're doing this particular thing yes. today. Uh, you know, this is not just something that's, you know, kind of magically Come manifested. Out of nowhere. There's yep. a whole history around it. And same with me yep. doing it on, on this end as well. Um, mm. So, like, really, you know, all, all behaviour occurs in context and in a situational context and with a big historical context mm. around it. Uh, so, really, yeah, for, from that, that perspective, you can't really understand any behaviour unless you can sort of see the context that, that's kind right. of... Right. Uh, and then, so you, as you were saying, in advertising, you know, obviously, you know, you're... you're um, I guess, for, in, for me, in clinical work, I'm trying to... Uh, change the context for people in in the hope of kind of helping them move their behavior in different directions. And I guess in advertising, you know, you, you've kind of got a same general principle there of changing yeah. the context to try and get, you know, the consumer's behavior moving in a particular yep. direction. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like um, pr- it is like you're actually changing people's context. Yeah. And um, what, what you just mentioned about unpacking the contents for a s- client's point of view um you're basically peeling back the layers of their circumstance and finding out why they got to where they are in the particular scenario. Is that what you mean by unpacking the context? Yeah, like definitely. Learning the, learning the story, learning about their journey to get to where they are. Yeah, you can you can yeah. certainly yeah. think about it in the, in that way because it's you know there are many pathways that you can take that will lead you. Um, you know, like if you look at something, you know, like we we talk about you know the psychological disorders as though they're these kind of just things that people kind of get or have, mm. like the flu yeah. or virus, yeah. right? Yeah, right, um, right. Yeah, yeah. Like people will come in and like I have anxiety, I have depression. Uh, you know, but there are many pathways that can kind of lead you, you know, down um, kind mm. of you know that can move your life in directions that over time start to look like you know things like depression or an anxiety disorder or you know an eating disorder um so you know i guess it's a it's really about looking at you know how did that trajectory kind of mm. begin how has it been maintained over time uh, and understanding those factors kind of i guess helps give you the yeah you might need to help then sort of you know shift those trajectories I, I talk a lot about reverse engineering and i think that's what i'm seeing there it's like reverse engineering somebody's behavior like finding out what the stories are that brought them to where they are which is like finding all the components so if you reverse engineer something you see like just a shell basically when you first see it but then you pull it apart and you analyze all the components and you see what fits in with what how they work together and you're doing the same thing with behavior right yeah well and when you do the reverse engineering stuff like i'm guessing like you you do that for a purpose though right yes that's right yeah yeah Yeah, you've already agreed with this person that you know this is kind of what they want to work towards right um, so, yep. you know you're kind of you're unpacking it at you for this this overarching sort of purpose of yeah. uh, you know ch- changing what can be changed in order to sort of move it in the direction that they want to take it yeah that's that's really cool man i i, I love this stuff and um, it's partly why i branded my business cyborg the psychology component in cyborg it's it's because i love understanding how people think and how behaviors are formed and like behavior is formed by thinking and as a designer to sort of understand that to then create designs that maybe change thinking and then change behavior. So it really, it, like psychology is a love of mine. So that's why I'm so excited to have you on this podcast and chat more about this. I mean, 
on that. Like, you know, COVID has brought up some differences in advertising of late. Like, the thing I noticed with advertising is it was about two or three weeks later after the COVID sort of emergency hit that we started to see brands change their advertising to sort of align with the culture of COVID-19. You know, we've sort of seen some different ads, like I was saying before that there's this Nissan ad that just really focuses on the interior of driving rather than the external of driving, which kind of like talks to us being trapped in our houses and things like that. And, you know, if you're going to have a car, you want to have a beautiful interior. Um, You know, have you noticed anything in in this period of of strange advertising that maybe speaks more to the psychology of advertising, I guess? Um, Yeah, and and you're going to, you're you know, I'm not the expert on advertising here. That's that's for sure. But I mean, I, I do think it's really interesting. Like, well, you, what you said about the Nissan ad reminded me of the. Um, I did see an online. I can't remember the, the car brand that it was, but it was kind of a. It was an online ad that I saw, which had like the the tagline was something. It was like a you know car going out, family having some yeah. adventure. You know, like yeah. out in the yeah. wilderness, and it was kind of the yeah. tagline was something like you know, yes, you should, you know, the, here's why you should get the car because you know we're while we're home now, like it won't be forever. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. The, the tagline. So they were sort of like playing on, I guess, that future of like, you know, it's it's coming. Mm. We're getting back to, you know, we're, we're getting we're back to normal. Yeah, normal. So yeah, yeah, like don't don't stop thinking about. It's like don't stop thinking about buying me. Let's yeah. wait. A little bit. I will be relevant. That's right. That's right. I will be relevant. Yeah, it's um. That's what I've I've been really fascinated by this period because it's kind of like a a hack on social on on culture. Like all of a sudden. Our, our standard way of life has just been thrown in the air and um, we've all been scrambling to work it out and you sort of get to see, peel behind the curtain a little bit about... Well, how um, does that work? Because, like, if you, yeah. so you as an advertiser, well, yeah. you in that world of... of yeah. Because, um, yeah. like, I know a lot of... Like, I know I have seen some of the stuff that you've done, some of the kind of, um, you know, uh, sort of more pro-social stuff. Like yeah. Made yeah. COVID sort of safety posters and things for business. Yes, and, yep. 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 And, and I've, and I've yep. definitely noticed that a lot of, um, you know, even, even some big name companies have done a lot of things that have been very kind of pro-social. Uh, yes. Like I saw, I saw Nike put up a, you know, some uh, really not a nice kind of pro-social post about, you know, people kind of, uh, you know, playing for the world and all this sort of stuff, yep. like really trying to promote that kind of common humanity. Um, like, has that been, have you, is that something that people in advertising have felt some, you know, responsibility around, like using that platform as a way of... I think, I think, yeah, I think what, what comes to mind is you've got to be relevant. You've got to stay relevant to the culture um, and you don't want to get forgotten about. So probably at this time, people don't think to advertise because they there's no income coming in. But now's the time to advertise, to stay relevant and to stay memorable so that when the world does get back to normal, there's a bit more trust around that brand because of that, because they've stayed relevant. So I think there's that. And that's why a lot of these brands are sort of talking to COVID-19, like they're talking to how their brand has adapted to it or how they're helping you through it. It's not so much about that. It's about COVID specifically. It's just about being relevant, you know, just maintain trust and consistency. That's a good point because I have noticed that the, I mean, any ads that I've seen that have sort of made no mention of COVID-19 or where there's Mm. been sort of, you know, almost like, Pretend yeah, like who can, there. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. You really notice it that I like. You know, yeah, you do. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> it's it's like when you watch a movie now. Like um, people are like shaking hands and cuddling and stuff. And you're going, oh, that yeah, what was are you that. doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was the old days back in the when I was a kid. Sort of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when right. I was, people can touch people each other. Yeah, people can touch each other. <laughs> and um, that's kind of where I've been 
fascinated like by if you're dating right now like if you're a single male like I reckon you'd still go for it you wouldn't care would you <laughs> <laughs> I mean far out it's like I have talked yeah. I have talked to a few people who are sort of dating yeah. at the moment and apparently, yeah. and apparently yeah like you know trying to do sort of zoom yeah. dates and stuff like that I know yeah, zoom dates. people have done that but it's uh, yeah, yeah it would be super tricky to, to do <laughs> go straight in, go straight in for the pash straight in <laughs> <laughs> like you know, oh the the COVID. <laughs> um, well, but it's a fair yeah, point because yeah, people, you know, yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah. if you're going to run it's, for, yeah, it's know, awkward. If people are sort of looking to get into a relationship, and then mm. suddenly mm. everyone's kind of quarantined for six months, like that, yeah. that's going to be a big problem for a lot of people. Yeah, uh, you know, and and yeah, people, I'm sure, have come up with creative ways around it. Uh, well, I think there's an advertising campaign right there. <laughs> Just like bring it back, yeah. <laughs> like you know, just all these romantic moments where they're about to connect, and then it's like one of those stickers turns up in between them or something, and it cuts to the sticker one point five meters. <laughs> um, yeah, there's you know, you can imagine all the different um, symbolism that you could kind of bring in in between people. That yeah, for sure, for sure. There you go. Yeah, you've, you've yeah, it. yeah, that's right. <laughs> what brand? What's that? Um, but, you know, and that's just humour, right? Like people love humour. It engages and starts the, the conversation. But they have, in, in saying, though, that about advertising and, and sort of staying relevant, I mean, there's, I, was, I did read a piece about how, like, obviously, um, like some areas are, are kind of booming at the moment, like in terms yep. of the increased sort of sales. Yeah, on, like online platforms and... Yeah, online pla- um, yeah absolutely. Or even like drive-throughs. Yeah, like pajamas and stuff like that. I saw, I did see that Maya had a marketing campaign where they were sort of like talking about, you know, like the new uniform, the new like stay home COVID uniform. Yep. And they had like people in their pajamas and stuff. And they were right. like, yep. like yep. they've sort of changed that marketing angle yeah, to go down that path. Using, using humor. Yeah, that's really, that's really nice, actually. Yeah. There, yeah, there, I, I mean, there was, sorry, the, the only other Yeah, no, it's good. This is good. The, uh, who was it? It was only a few days ago. I saw that it'd been, um, accusations around the alcohol industry in increasing their online uh, yes. alcohol marketing. I don't know if you've read that, which I think they, refused. well, I'm not sure if it's true, but they, there were definitely a few kind of companies that were quoting some statistics around uh, increased alcohol. Oh, well you got, yeah, alcohol and also, but I mean, just the statistics of, of people's behavior, right? Like I think alcoholic use is up. I think it was like 70% of Australians have said that they are drinking more during COVID or yeah. something. I think that was what the one of the stats was, yeah. And like online gambling's like the top earner or something. <laughs> um, and that's like, because um, yeah. we have a culture that's already very, you know, kind of permissive around, you know, yes. alcoholic and you, you see it's all over social media and stuff mm. around, you know, everyone mm. kind of, you know, lots of memes about just people drinking more during COVID, which yep. is kind yep. of, you know, I guess you, you certainly would expect that there's a bit of that going mm. on. And for, well, a, and been, for a lot of people- I've that, been drinking more. But there will be some people that so have I. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I've been drinking more for sure. Like I love the yeah, gin and tonics of a night for sure, and red wine. I thought you were looking yeah, at no. like shaggy this morning, like <laughs> it's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, go on, mate. Sorry to cut you off. No, no. But like, and for a lot of people, it's not going to be a problem. Right? I mean, that that won't be a big yep. deal. To you know, maybe if they have increased alcohol use for a little while, and you know, but there, but there will be some people, people who maybe mm. already do have, um, you know, have already struggled a little bit with alcohol use or with other substance use, yeah. where this period, like where the increase in, in drinking will start to kind of shape habits that down the track they will find hard to get out of. Uh, so yeah. I think we will see like a, a ramification of this kind of quarantine periods, you know, even after it's kind of finished, I think people, mm. you know, at this point will be getting into habits and routines that at some point 
potentially are going to become a problem. Right. Um, and that might be just that one example of, of, you know, how it might happen. But, yeah. Yeah. Be- I mean, right now it's May 22 and we are starting to see restrictions lift. So we're getting a little bit more back to normal, which I'm actually enjoying. Like, you get so sick of staying at home. Um, I mean, going to Coles or Woolies is my outing, basically. And You um, work at home anyway, don't you? Like, you're, isn't yeah, that that's your, right. Home office that's there? right. Yeah, definitely. I've been yeah working from home for 14 years and – like I, I've been fine through this period, but but just I think even from working home, me going out is like my escape, you know. Like, well, that's what, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like you already yeah. like you know you already kind yeah. of be at home and work at home. Yeah. And now like with that's all the right. restrictions, yeah, yeah, you can't really do anything. But it's starting to ease up. I mean, we go to the beach a lot and all that sort of thing. But just being social, I love to be so, and that's why this podcast has been. I mean, a reason I started doing it was to be social with my clients a bit more which because you lost that fact so i mean the this covert this post podcast is purely because of covered really um yeah but um you know we we talk a lot about context with advertising we talk about context in psychology and that's what you do with um contextual interventions um I i find it fascinating how you know, you really do help people with depression and anxiety. Like I've, I've been there actually. I used a psychologist when I was in my early 20s. So I guess where I've got a lot of respect for psychology because um, it really turned my life around and I actually changed my whole course of life. I went from engineering to design and found a lot of success in that new world because I just got a lot of advice from the therapy sessions that I had that actually helped me change my behavior, right? And, and that's what you're doing. So you're helping people with that and I've got a huge amount of respect for psychologists because of the, my personal process that I've had with it. Um, do you, do you love those success stories when, when clients come back to you or, you know, tell me a little bit about that. It's yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. Well, I'm glad you had a positive experience with a psychologist mm-hmm. and it sounds like mm-hmm. you, yeah. I mean, the, the changes yeah, that yeah. you had, obviously you've thrived yeah. in the design world and the, you know, you've really kind of found an area that you seem very, uh, you know, at ease with and, and, you know, very kind of happy with which is great to see but yeah, yeah of course the success stories are, are amazing um mm. you know that, that it is a really kind of a nice part of the job to see people make those yep. changes and, and even if they're you know I, I kind of feel like any any sort of change because it's not always the case that people kind of come along and, and things are really sort of lousy and then mm. you know we work with them and then all of a sudden their lives are amazing and you know everything's perfect yep. in life and, the, and then we finish up i mean sometimes the change you know can uh, can be smaller than that or it might be about like you know mm. learning new skills that they and then go on and, and use, um, you know, for the rest of their lives in, in all sorts of different directions. So the change, you know, that you sort of see can can vary. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you do see, you know, a really large change, miraculous change. I've seen people make changes um, that have, have surprised me or, you know, shocked yeah. me sort of have um, been more than what I could have expected, mm. um, which is always that nice reminder that, that change is possible, that even people yeah. in kind of really horrible circumstances and, um, you know, with, with maybe really kind of... Um, troubled kind of histories, uh, you know, yep. that, that people can make big changes. Uh, but, you know, I've also seen people make sort of small changes that have been really meaningful and really important. Mm. So, like, sometimes the, the sort of size of the change is not necessarily, um, you know, the, the thing. It's just about the, the importance, I guess, of the change. You know, a little change can make a huge difference for a lot of people. Uh, but, yeah, that, yeah. That, that is great. Sometimes you do work with people and kind of, um, you know, things might be, 
going well or they, they might stop coming along to therapy and, you know, you, you do sometimes have that. I, I, I have that. Oh, yeah, sort of worry or wonder. Going or I wonder, or I wonder yeah. what they're up to and, uh, you know, they might well, the come fact- back a couple of years later and, you, you you know, maybe kind of find out a little bit. So there's sometimes a lot of yeah. those yeah, uh, stories mystery. that you wonder about. That, yeah, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. So get to see the end. So, yeah, generally if they don't come back, they're probably happy, they're satisfied, they've made some changes in their life to – I mean, the, the, the thing that's know, why the, the part of me, the, the anxious, the self-conscious part of me always kind of thinks I've done something terrible or, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. And sometimes that I have no doubt that sometimes that is the case where, where, you know, therapy may not have worked well. Uh, but yeah, sometimes, you know, it, it is that case that people start to feel a little better and they kind of, you know, decide not to come well, back. And what I realized about psychology and therapy is it's all about getting it out of your own mind and then into the world, which is what helps you so a psychologist is almost just a sounding board in many ways like it's just you having the courage to get the thoughts and feelings out of your own head and into the world and having someone there just to absorb it and sort of maybe mirror and give you feedback but a lot of the hard work is actually you getting it out of your head does that make sense people of course yeah like i mean we we definitely kind of uh you know and it might be around, you know, teaching people certain skills or, you know, mm. helping people kind of maybe make certain connections or notice certain mm. things about, you know, their, their own mm. behavior um, in a way that might help them make a shift. But yeah, I mean, yes. we ultimately we can never really change people's behavior directly. No, it's that, yep. You can't step inside your skin and, and like, mm. make, you know, make you do a different kind of, you know, behavioral move. Um, yeah. All we can really do is work to sort of change the context in ways that that you know hopefully kind of push the behavior around and sometimes the nice thing is that if you can if you get some of those um uh, some of the, the problematic things that can get people into sort of uh, difficulty in their lives can actually happen in the therapy room you know yes. so like uh, you know people might sort of uh you know exhibit some of those same kinds of things you know in a conversation with me that might be kind of getting mm. them into trouble out there in their daily life and and that's right. when you really get to do some nice work around um you know like you being able to work with it in the flesh when it's right there in the room. And then you can do yeah. have a lot more sort of scope to kind of really, you know, see behavior sort of shifting and moving. It's kind of like you, you get little insights into their context from maybe childhood trauma or something like that. And then there's some levers you can start to sort of pull because like just them getting it out of their head is starting for you to sort of maybe read between the lines a bit and you can then sort of steer them in certain directions to sort of um, – uncover those traumatic events or something which will eventually help you um change their path and change their behavior well, yeah well, ch- changing the path is, is usually always some form of that that has to happen yeah yeah, yeah. Well, certainly you know those kind of historical events can can have big impacts mm. on people definitely mm. and and uh, you know really all we get to kind of work with is the impacts of those things that are sort of happening in the in the here and now in the present right right so so it's it's much more focused around the present than the past and then well the past is really like the, the, the past shows up in the present so fortunately yeah, right i do get to work with the in the past but yeah it's or the remembered past that, that shows up in the in the now but yeah i mean yeah, we right yeah i'm in the past or in the future in our minds uh, and as you sort of mm. said you know kind of one of the benefits of, of kind of getting people a little bit out of their out of their mm. minds out of their kind of remembered past and, and imagined future and more sort of uh, connected with things that are of, of meaning and of purpose, uh, you know, in the in the present is, is certainly a, a chunk of what we do. Yeah. Untethered. Watch this episode now on YouTube. Search Untethered with Daniel Borg. Untethered with Daniel Borg. Yeah, I think if anybody's thinking they need to, like, they got problems even through COVID nineteen, that's probably 
revealed some problems for people that they mightn't have seen. Because one thing I've noticed with some friends and colleagues are they've just stopped doing what they normally do. Like they don't do the nine to five kind of grind or they don't have the same routines. And then you've got time with yourself a lot more that you probably wouldn't normally have. So you've probably noticed that with some patience. And, and, and um, you know, this thing is not the best companion. Yeah. If you're going to be yeah. isolated in a room, just yeah. you and your mind, uh, you know, minds are not good companions yeah. to just be stuck in a room. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they will punish you. You need to make friends with your mind. Is that what you're saying? Well, you, you need to cultivate a certain relationship yeah yeah but yeah. but it's it is hard because people you know yeah as you say a lot, a lot of mm. a lot of those avenues have sort of shut down mm. all of those things that we would mm. normally do that that help us uh you know yeah that help us have a sense of purpose and meaning yeah um, you know a lot of those activities have sort of shut down or our access to them has been kind of restricted and even that will have a big impact on people uh, mm. even the things that you do in your daily life to, to to kind of um you know whether it be your, your exercise you know, routines Routine, or whether yeah. it be like going to work, which gives you purpose or whether it be connecting mm. with other people to, to form sort of social, um, you know, networks with people. Like once you sort of remove all of that stuff, yeah, you know, because those are often like big coping strategies for people. Mate, it's funny you say purpose. That's a really key word because purpose kind of associates with your ego or like who you think you are and you take your purpose away you kind of lose who you think you are like if your job is to be working nine to five in a certain role and then your purpose is taken away you might you might your sense of self-esteem about who you think you are can dissipate yeah and then other other issues creep in right yeah so it does you're yes. right i mean sense of self yeah. and you know people's identity you know like if your work has been become formed a yeah. big part of your identity and suddenly that's taken yeah. away you know that that's yeah. a big trouble for people or even if you know if going to the gym and training and doing those sorts of things mm. is a big part of your identity and that's yeah. suddenly taken away uh, or the sense of status too your sense of status yep yep or if being like, social is a big part of your identity and that gets taken away yeah. So yeah, people are struggling even on the on those kinds of levels for sure yeah when I was talking to Glenn Azar, another client, previous podcast of this, and we did Kokoda track together. And that's the biggest thing that I got out of Kokoda was you get on the Kokoda track and your sense of status and ego dissipates after about three days. Like, because you're just grueling on the mountain and you're with all these other people who think they're like bankers, high, high profile people, and they think they're the shit basically, but then it dissipates, it all disappears. And you're just really with raw personalities, like who people think they are doesn't exist anymore and I learned a lot about myself like who I thought I was and just sort of stripped it back and that's kind of been a big thing that's helped me going forward but sure well, it's, good. Um, it's cool when you yeah. do things in life that let you sort of see you know because we all sort of tell tell ourselves mm. stories about ourselves story like, yeah. I mean, the, who, yeah. who I am and I'm this kind of person I'm that kind of person mm. and it's and we all do it we, you know we all kind of our minds are sort of you know built yeah. in some ways to do this and we yeah. also tell stories to ourselves about who other people are and how they are. Uh, but mm. when you can kind of, the problem with the, the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves is that they yep. can become kind of very restrictive. You know, like we end right. up yes. by those stories. We end up just doing things that, that fit within mm. those stories and, and not doing things that sort of sit outside of them. So when you do something like mm. Kokoda there where you, where, you know, where you did start to notice like those, those mm. stories sort of weakened a little bit. Like, yeah, know, yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of more well, than one story. That's right, and it shatters your beliefs. And another thing is, it, it increases your beliefs. You like, I, I find we act on our beliefs, like who we think we are and what we think we can do. But when you get rid of those beliefs and maybe add brand new beliefs that maybe a bit bigger, like I believe I can be a podcaster, for example, and here I am just doing my fourth one. You just 
do it and it becomes reality. So the beliefs kind of restrict us, like without, if we've got the wrong beliefs or, or limiting beliefs, we sort of stay in our same bubble, don't we? And, and really any belief. I mean, you know, really whether it's kind of, you know, whether it's sort of good or bad, I mean, you know, they can all become restrictive. You know, like, yes. you know, if you yes. like even a good, you know, like if you have a story about yourself, which is like, I'm a, like, I'm, I'm a kind person, say like, you know, or I'm yeah. a helpful person, right? Uh, like, I mean, even that, which sounds like it's not a problem at all, uh, you know, but yeah. if it becomes restrictive, if you become kind of locked in that so that you can only do like, uh, you know, mm. kind person things or helpful person things, mm. you know, that can become really problematic because it might mean right. that you're less able to do things like, uh, you know, say, look after yourself well, or, you know, like listen to your own sort of needs or act on your own yep. needs or set limits and boundaries with people or, you know, like, so, I mean, even, even those stories that are kind of sound really positive can become a problem be- because of the restrictiveness. So I think you're right. Like when you're talking about the expanding, like I'm kind of more mm. than this, you know, and, yes. and, and as you sort of start doing more things, you sort of see that, you know, I don't just exist within this one story. I can step That's out right. of it. Create a, you can create your own story. Yeah, create Good your own path. Create things, a story. Like, you know, you can you can yeah. tons of different stories around there. Yeah, yeah. No, I think, and that's that's kind of positive psychology, isn't it? That's a, a term around that, isn't it? Where psychologists help you become better than what you are or who you are, rather than ah, uh, yeah, sure, sure. Problems. So Absolutely. I don't know. I'm just riffing. Yeah. It's, it's a good point yeah. you raise, definitely, because yes, you are right. I mean, for many years, psychology and psychiatry have really been very kind of pathology focused, like in terms yes. of, you know, what we need to do is we need to get rid of people's pathology. We need to get rid of their anxiety. Mm. We need to get rid of their depression, mm. get rid of their anger, get rid of their suicidal thoughts, mm. all that sort of stuff. Mm. Uh, but in doing that, there was much less focus on, you know, like how do, you know, how do we help people actually kind of build meaning, purpose? You know, how do we help them thrive? How do we help them flourish in their lives? Yeah. Um, and so there has been a big shift, especially in the last kind of 20 years or so in psychology that where we've recognized that, uh, you know, getting rid of pathology uh, is, is a, an independent thing, a separate thing mm. from like, you know, building the skills of, of living a meaningful and kind of purposeful life. And that, you know, even if you do find ways of getting rid of your, say, anxiety, uh, that doesn't automatically just translate into, you know, you then living a, a meaningful life. Uh, mm. You know, it just means getting getting your anxiety. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's it's not um, inspirational, or it's not um, a positive mindset, which is positive psychology, obviously. But um, so self, I mean, self awareness is a big issue there, right? Like understanding how you think, like seeing yourself from a bigger point of view, like looking back at yourself and detecting the way you think, detecting certain patterns of thinking, and then when you're aware of that by being self aware, you can. Make, take action to change that thinking, I suppose. So as a psychologist, you're probably helping people become more self-aware. Is that right? Certainly be a part of the goal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, awareness, yeah. um, you know, is, is like one of those kind of foundational skills, I guess. Yeah. You can't sort of notice, mm. you know, what, what you're doing or if you can't notice what you're thinking and feeling or how that mm. might influence what you do, um, you know, if you can't sort of notice and recognise those patterns and, and yeah. if you're not able to ask yourself questions like, you know, is... is um, you know, is what I'm doing working to help, you know, get yeah. where I want to go. Uh, like if you can't notice those just sort of natural mm. sort of consequences of your own actions, then it's really tough to sort of get any change happening there. Or even even just the no- notion of noticing that you have some choice in terms of how you respond to things. Well, this is the interesting because when I was seeing a psychologist back in my early 20s, mm-hmm. I realised all my life from a child, I was just going with the flow and I used to tell myself that. I just go with the flow. I just go with the flow. And that that just meant whatever happens in the world, I just adapt and change or whatever. But I didn't really have any um, 
didn't really have any mastering of this is what I want to do. Let's just go and do it. Yeah. And then that was kind of like when a penny dropped for that because things weren't starting to go right in my life. I was like, things were going wrong. Yeah. And then seeing the psychologist made me realize I could, you know, basically engineer whatever I wanted to do in my life. And I've been doing that for like last 20 years. And it's been- and What a great awesome. example. It's, a, it's yeah, such a nice example too of what we what we just mentioned because it's yeah. like that notion of, um, you know, the go with the flow stuff, you know, like yeah. I'm, I'm easy going, right? I go with the flow. Yeah, like, that's what people say, yeah. Right? And it, yeah. It's, I think within our culture in Australia, it's, mm. that's kind mm. of a really positive attribute to be easy going. Yeah. Or but it's yes. like, again, if it becomes restrictive, if you can only go with the flow, yeah, that's right. you know, then it's then like you said, well, maybe that means I, I can't sort of, you know, forge my own directions or make my own decisions based on what I want. I can only kind yeah. of just go with what I'm sort of moving with the herd. Mo- that becomes a problem. Yeah. Yeah. You're moving with the pack and you know, if the pack falls off a mountain, you bloody fall off a mountain with the pack basically. And it might not be where you want to move. Yeah. Like, you know, you yeah. might have your own kind of goals and aspirations yeah. or values that you want to work towards. And if that's not consistent with the pack, but you're a go with the flow guy, then, you know, you're yeah. going to feel some conflict around that. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, one thing I've been thinking about while we've been having this conversation is the the concept of order versus chaos, you know, crazy chaos. Sure. And Jordan Peterson, Dr. Jordan Peterson, he's one of my favourite clinical psychologists and I know- yeah, I remember you're a fan of Jordan Peterson. Yeah, I remember I'm, you told me that you went to see him when he was- uh, Yeah, I went and seen him, read his books and, um, you know, listened to his podcasts. Like he's going through a tough time right now, so he hasn't been much on- Ah, okay. Hasn't de- been doing much- podcast and that is just all pre-recorded stuff but but that's one thing i got out about jordan peterson is the concept of order versus chaos so we live our lives in either order or chaos and when we're in chaos we crave order and when we're in order we start to crave chaos so if your life is going really perfectly for a certain while you might find you'll actually disrupt it on purposely or subconsciously to get a little bit of chaos so that you learn something new and then you grow or on the other side is you live in a lot of chaos and you crave order, so you need to find ways to f- take little steps to build that order. So Jordan Peter says, Peterson says, you know, clean your room. That's the first thing to do because you, you can't, you, you, your world might be chaos. You might have relationship problems, family problems, lifestyle problems, but the first thing you can do to create a bit of order is to clean your room. So this, you can actually do that. And from that, you you get new insight and then you can work out how you maybe clean your house and, you know, fix your relationships, blah, blah, blah. You know, what, what do you think about the concept of order versus chaos? Do you guys talk about that much? Or? Um, I, I don't know that I – I mean, I'm, and I'm, not, I'm not familiar with Jordan Peterson's – like yep. what, what he particularly means by, by yep. order and chaos. Yep. I haven't kind of read a, yep. a lot of his work. Um, yep. Yep. So I, I couldn't – so I might be kind of on a different – yeah. Uh, no, that's all right. Just even you as a person. But I, like I think what you – I guess if you think about life in general, I mean, it does, it's mm. sort of like maybe they're, they're both, and it probably depends on the individual a little bit. Like, mm. I mean, I certainly know mm. a lot of individuals who really kind of crave sort of order. Uh, yes. Know, people who really like to sort of, you know, have things well you know planned and don't like surprises mm. and like for things to be really routine. And our brains, mm. I think, crave that. You know, we've got yep. brains that yep. are very much, uh, you know, that they, they sort of, you know, yearn for that sort of, you know, uh, for things to be familiar, for things to be in order, mm-hmm. to make sense of things in ways that feel like, you know, uh, not uh, remove uncertainty. Because uh, yes. from, from your brain's point of view, familiarity and certainty is, is uh, like safety, right? Yes. If, I, if, yep. if what happens is exactly what I expected would happen, well, that, that's kind of safe. I know that I'm safe. Mm. Um, so we've, we've got a, an innate sort of drive, I think, towards that that kind of order. But at the same time, we, we also really enjoy, you know, can enjoy a little bit of chaos. We mm. will intentionally mm. sort of seek out. Yeah, well, that's, that's why you get drunk. 
that was way too fast of a <laughs> yeah, like, that's why you get drunk <laughs> i think these these yeah. uh, you know the increase in online advertising there is starting to pay off uh, but, well, uh, no, I, I mean we do seek chaos like you know you know the nine to five job then after it you might go and have a beer or um, yeah, there's, there's if the by chaos you mean like, like uncertainty, then I think you know it's it's also a little bit inevitable. I mean, if you mm. um, you know if you're going to live a full life, if you're going to um, you know have relationships, and if you're going to be a parent, and if you're going to work and, and study and mm. contribute and do all those things, of course you're going to be stepping into uncertainty. You're going to be trying new mm. things that you've never tried before. So like un- uncertainty, I think is kind of inevitable, really. I mean, and mm. unless you kind of you know to live to try and live without uncertainties, you know, you would have to make your life very 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 kind of small and predictable and and uh, you know probably yeah and that but but now we're in this presence of uncertainty that's been kind of thrown mm. at us through COVID as well mm. yeah I mean it comes back to you know the yin and yang symbol the you know Asian symbol of the black and the white symbol so apparently that means order and chaos so the the black is chaos and the dot is a little bit of order in the chaos and that balances with all Sure. Order sure. with a little bit of chaos and you're trying to find a strike a balance. So, sure. and um, yeah, so, I mean, his philosophies go back to, you know, some sort of more ancient philosophies like yin and yang and things like that. Cool. And, and even, even the Bible, like, you know, you look at the Bible and things like that, there's certain stories there where it's all about order and then something happens and creates chaos and it's everything just fluctuates between order and chaos. And I find that really fascinating because it actually works in design as well. It's, it's a certain pattern. So when you create design work, you're either using, you use order or pat or, patterns of order or patterns of chaos to get certain amounts of attention or or or, or create a certain type of perception if that makes so sense. So it's kind of functional you mean like there might be times where yeah. you use order in a particularly functional because you want to convey a certain message or you want to Yes, yeah. Yeah, like most most advertising will be very much order orientated. Mm-hmm. Um but you can throw in a bit of chaos to grab attention and then show order or you throw in a bit of chaos to say this is how your life is here's some order like here's the product or here's the service to give you more order like say you show chaos add order or the opposite show order add chaos so like you know it's i mean it mirrors life right it's culture and life but but even at an aesthetic point of view you can do that so the color on a page you know the scrambling of something on a page versus a very ordered layout um and you kind of you sort of take advantage of a bit of neurobiology there as well, like in the in terms of you know like that sort of you know if you kind of create an expectation or create a symmetry and then you yes. kind of like blast you, them, something exactly. unexpected in there, like our brains are sort of wired to kind of orient towards the the unexpected, like surpri- yeah, surprise, yeah, yeah. Sure. So yeah, bring in surprise, bring that which is chaos. Um, mm-hmm. You know, use order and then change it, like mess 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 it up. With, with a bit of chaos um, definitely it's just it's kind of patterns I think and you know you've got a rigid pattern of order and then just something changed and then yeah uh, well, and given that what you obviously want, a big chunk of what you want to do in advertising is obviously grab attention. So you, you certainly want to take advantage of any of the, you know, the machinery that we've kind of got inside mm. of us to sort of, uh, you know, that's going to orient towards what you want them to, mm. to move towards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we actually did a blog article together. Remember that? Uh, the Psychology of Advertising, um, which was, I don't know, about six years ago, like, mm-hmm. 
like I started content marketing about six years ago and which is leading us to this point of doing a podcast but you know back then we talked about stereotypes that's something I really remember and and that's like that's there's a lot of order there like you know the scientist has got a lab coat on um, the doctor wears a lab coat like a white sort of coat so if they're on an advertisement you get the sense of expertise because just because that's an actor that could be anyone wearing the lab coat true. you know <laughs> true and you know so there's all these stereotypes which to me is order like all of these things like these patterns in people's minds of what's expected and then you can yeah. break that mold you know um yeah can you can you remember that article like maybe- yeah I, I have some certainly some uh, vague memories of, of that article but yeah i remember yeah. we talked about stereotypes and sure yeah like i mean a lot of that stuff plays into our you know into our histories and you know like mm. the, the things that we've been exposed to again and again and again in our, in our lives mm. that we that we maybe don't you know consciously think about it we don't kind of mm. consciously connect but you know yeah you're right like i mean the, the imagery of the you know the scientist in the lab coat or the doctor in the mm. you know the lab coat or with the stethoscope mm. around the neck i mean you know all you yep. really yep. do to, to you know give credibility like doctor, to throw yes. a stethoscope around someone's neck right and leave anything they say um, <laughs> because it's time and time again it's associated mm. with you know mm. people in those you know trusted professions yeah. or people that we we kind of see as being uh, you know reliable trustworthy knowledgeable safe mm. uh, you know and and so you know you can kind of boil all that down to kind of an image that you know your, your mm. brain just learns to respond to the image the same as it does mm. to the, the real event yeah i sort of I did another blog article about authenticity versus the current model of advertising and I've seen that as that model's kind of being broken down now. Like, I don't know if you would trust a doctor if, or a person if they just had a stethoscope around them anymore. Like, I think those sort of moulds, like we, back before the internet, we sort of relied on those stereotypes to communicate to mass audiences. Sure. But because we, we've got the internet now, things can be revealed, like you can basically just research anything and understand topics so yeah. you can um you can't rely on those stereotypes as much anymore but you have to rely on the authentic caricature of somebody like seeing what they actually put out there and that's why i see content marketing as being more powerful because it's just people showing what they do and talking about what they do yeah. and you can basically just see it for real like by researching the company or business, yeah. Like transparency. Um, just like, yeah, it's transparency, yeah, yeah. And so, people are probably a lot more savvy these days mm, in terms of, mm, you know, or, or, and even maybe a lot more sceptical of media than, uh, you know, if you mm, a few decades and uh, now and you have all sort of alternative media and lots of different places you can get information from. Uh, yeah. Sometimes yeah. people are just kind of immediately sceptical of, of anything that comes through any mainstream media mm. uh, just because it is coming through mainstream media. Yeah, and that and that's the rise of podcasts and rise of YouTube and things like that. Like, sure. there's just so many different outlets now to to get information out there. Mm. Um, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Like, the world has changed a lot, and it's changed again over COVID, and <laughs> it's going to change again when we get out of it or whatever happens. And the economy yeah. is shifting. Sure. Yeah, and, and actually, one thing I did want to mention is you guys have been doing telehealth right now as a psychologist. Is that right? Yes, like right. What, percentage, what percentage would you say has been telehealth through COVID? Uh, a pretty high percentage. Um, so I would say maybe it started to change a little bit just kind of now, just where we are with restrictions easing. We've, we've had a few people come in face-to-face. Um, but, yeah, I would say uh, no, 90%. Would have wow. been, yeah. you know, either telehealth or, or just or phone appointments or like this, um, you know, mm. over an uh, online platform. Uh, so, yeah, it, it has mostly been that. 
Um, mm. Unless, you know, the exceptions have really just been either where it's not been kind of practical for people to do that or um, the technology wasn't available or the, the environment they were in wasn't sort of suitable for it. Um, but, yeah, yeah and, and I think most psychologists across the, um, well, certainly the, you know, the yeah. ones that I know have, have been, yeah, had the majority of their work on telehealth. Yeah, and have you found it's the quality of the therapy session has changed much or is it like, you know, is it better to be one-on-one in physical space or, you know, what, what, what's, what's, what is, what's your experience? Because you've been doing it for a few weeks now. That's True, right. and, it's been, and it has been a learning experience definitely mm-hmm. for me. I think it's, I mean, I certainly prefer face-to-face. Um, yep. You know, like being in a room with someone and it, it just it seems to be much easier to kind of just pick up on subtle cues or, uh, you know, like the, right. some of the small things that we might kind of want to notice. Like, uh, you know, if I'm talking to someone, I might, you know, you might sort of notice if their eyes are tearing up a little bit or if there's kind of like mm. they're even like, you know, like for you, I'm talking to you now, but I can't see like your hands. I can't really read yeah. your body language that well. Maybe yeah. you're, uh, yeah, <laughs> I thought there was going to be a uh. <laughs> but, uh <laughs> There was a, you know, you just can't see like little things. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it might yep. cue you to stuff with people. So, I mean, I think that's more difficult. Um, but I mean, I, I have been surprised though. I, I, I wasn't quite worried about the sort of quality mm. of the sessions, but it, it has been better than I thought, but still challenging. I think. In some yeah. So what, once you get over that original awkwardness of it, it just sort of fits into a more natural pattern of having a good conversation with someone and. Yeah. yeah, definitely. It's a bit more form- formalized too. Like I find that when someone comes right. to office that, you know, you sort of meet them in the waiting room, there's a bit of, you know, yeah. uh, a bit of a, a little, you know, maybe you have that bit of small talk before a session, yeah. you know, that, that to kind of ease into it. Whereas when the uh, video session comes on, it's kind of like bang, right? Okay, here we go. It's down to business. Yeah, uh, that, that takes us back to COVID because that's what I've loved about COVID is when I was saying before, it sort of hacked the way our way of life and our culture we're starting to, we get to see the little things in life that we took for granted for so long we didn't even notice that were there and how that affects our life. So for example, the waiting room scenario, that's just been dissipated right now. So, and now you can sort of compare and contrast. Who would have thought we'd have this opportunity to compare and contrast our normal way of life? Like it's just come out of the blue and it's been fascinating to like pick up on all the little nuances that actually make our life a little bit more meaningful or a little bit more nuanced or a little bit more enjoyable you know like you know that banter in the corridor is enjoyable you know yeah for sure yeah yeah yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah. the little changes that we notice and, and i hope that people will be able to to sort of notice you know some of those things yeah. i think that people a lot of people will find it hard i think to yeah. uh like a, there, there certainly has been a lot of talk of the positives of kind of going through this whole pandemic yeah. and, you know the things that we might be able to notice or coming out of the pandemic around you know really maybe kind of having the opportunity to choose which parts of our life we'd yeah. want to kind of pick back Things up, like, to well, hold on to, to yeah. get back to normal and do everything how I used to do it. It's kind of like, well, yeah. maybe I get to make a choice. Um, mm. So I guess that some people will be kind of able to connect with those sort of positives maybe in, in those kind of areas mm. of growth. But, you know, and, and at the same time, you know, the different boats thing, I think a lot of people will, you know, will struggle to do that because maybe, mm. the, you know, the anxiety or the distress has kind of been, uh, you know, kind of too capturing of, of their sort mm. of attention and might make it less likely that they can connect with some of those other positives at this stage. So I think everyone's kind of on just different sort of, you know, areas with it. And that may be one big thing that really um, stands out about this whole mm. um, pandemic is that, you know, because everyone is in such a different place with it, that yes. there's definitely that some of that sense that, you know, um, 
people are on different pages and maybe feeling a little frustrated with each other or mm. like even now just as some of the restrictions are easing like you, mm. you definitely get the sense that there's a you know a certain percentage of people that are kind of you know very keen to get out and there's a lot of urgency around yeah. like, yes, let's get back out let's get back to normal and then you've got another kind of camp of people who are who are still really you know quite anxious or, or quite cautious or quite wary of you know the risks of kind of coming out so you know you've got some people that are sort of doing it much more slowly and i think you know the people that kind of want to get the ball rolling and get back out quickly are kind of getting frustrated with some of the people that are sort of, you know, wanting to be hesitant and hold back. But then the people that are hesitant are getting sort of frustrated with the people that are rushing things along. So you kind of, yeah. there is this, you know, this kind of conflicty thing sometimes, whereas it's hard for people to recognize that, you know, that neither of those, you know, views are right or wrong. They're both valid responses to have, uh, but it's just that we're all reacting kind of differently to it. I mean, yeah, you see that in the news, like one person will be saying, we've got to stay safe, you know, let's hold back, let's, it's more important to be safe. And then you'll see another guy go, oh, you know, I've got to get my business back up and running and go, it's just, yeah. it's just chaos, eh? Like, and they're both right. Okay. Like there's something important in what both of them are saying. Uh, you know? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we've, we've spoken for a long time now and I just want uh, one final question before we end this. Um, if somebody feels like they need to see a psychologist – it can be pretty dawning, right? Like it's pretty scary to think because the first thing is you've got to change your belief and think, well, I'm worthy to do that or even it's okay to do that because if I go there, people think I'm crazy or something or I'll think I'm crazy or I'll be affirmed that I'm crazy. It's pretty scary and dawning for people to actually make that step. But what's your advice to that person who's who's thinking, oh, maybe I should? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's true. It's, uh, you know, I think, you know, sadly it's not, it's still not a, a an immediately easy thing for mm. people to do to sort of mm. uh, contact a psychologist or to get a referral mm. from their GP to, to see a psychologist uh, because yeah. there is that sort of fear of uh, stigma, like stigma. Around, yeah. know, or, or people thinking, well, like you've got to be crazy to go and see a psychologist or something yeah. like that. And, um, I mean, really, and again, I mean, I think a lot of psychology now really, um, you know, we, it's, you know, from our perspective, certainly, like mm. uh, as, as I've sort of said today, I mean, it's not that we even really look at psychological problems as kind of things mm. that happen to kind of crazy people or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's more just that we recognise as part of the human condition that we, we all kind of wind up getting stuck in mm. one part of our lives or another at some stage. Um, so really, you know, it's, it, it is a shame that there is still some stigma around that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I would definitely encourage people to kind of come along. I think some of the hard things can be that if you, the people will often wait, you know, sometimes even wait a few years to come along and see a psychologist. And, uh, yeah. and particularly men, I would say, like, uh, will often kind of wait for a really long time before coming along. I would say, um, you know, at least half of the males that I would work with when they, when they come along and I ask them about what has brought them along, you know, very, very often the first thing that they say is, oh, you know, if I'm being honest with you, I probably should have come along, you know, five years ago. Uh, you yeah. Know, I've been thinking about doing this for a long time. It's often the first thing that people will, will sort of say. That yeah, yeah. And, and I guess the benefit of kind of, you know, j jumping in a little bit sooner is that, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, it, it's already tough to make change. It's already hard to mm. make you know, really important mm. change in your life. And, and really, you know, if it's just rolling on and on and on and on and on, um, you know, over the years, you know, then things are only going to get more difficult to change over time. So, you know, sometimes yeah. you don't want to further sort of entrench things if there are some mm. small changes you can make initially to sort of, uh, you know, help get you out of trouble or help change that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I certainly would encourage people, I think that, you know, understandably there's there's a bit of anxiety or nervousness that comes with mm. talking to a psychologist um yeah i thought most people tend to find that you know i guess in an initial session that i would have with someone it's just, 
once you're talking for, for 10 minutes and they can just sort of see that, you know, okay, you're just sitting well, in another human being having a conversation. Well, look, I've been speaking to a psychologist for the last two hours or whatever, so... Right. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's very, it is very much, you know, it's like... It, it's cathartic, yeah. yeah. And it's geared towards... Mm. The, the other thing people need to recognise is that it's kind of, um, uh, you know, it's, it's really about what they would like to do. So really the stuff mm. that we're interested in is looking at, you know, not only where they've gotten kind of stuck, but really like, you know, what are the things in their lives that they would like to work mm. towards? So, we, you know, we make therapy um, about, you know, a, a person's... I guess their personal values or their mm. personal kind of goals that they would like to achieve. So it's really all about you know trying to move life in the directions that they want it to go, um, you know. And, and certainly and a lot of psychology, especially the you know contextual behavioural psychology, mm. uh, looks at things that way. Not not in the way of like you know yes we want to pathologise you and um, you know kind of yes it's more, more about behaviour yeah and and look even the last ten years you've seen a big shift in our culture and society of making mental health more aware, you know, um, you know, people are, you know, they've sort of uh, trying to de uh, take away the stigma of mental health and, you know, show it's okay to talk to people and all that sort of thing. So that's good. And, and the government's recently announced a $42 billion project or something for mental health because of what's happened with COVID. So, you know, now is the time if you've had um, a rough trot through this COVID-19 and, and you seek help, you know, now's the time to sort of seek a psychologist or, to, or a, a mental health professional or even a counsellor or ring Lifeline or something that could help you uh, get out of your pattern if you find that your pattern is, um, you know, disruptive to how, who you want to become, you know. So, Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And, and, yeah and even uh, talking to a supportive person in your life or even just kind of acknowledging that, you know, yeah, look, I, I kind of feel like I'm struggling in this area. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing how we all kind of walk around, uh, you know, on the on sort of on the whole, kind of trying to pretend like mm. we're not struggling or that we've got nothing mm. wrong with us. And uh, you know, re realistically, uh, you know, we all experience anxiety and we yeah. all feel sadness yeah. and we all feel kind of you know lost at times and mm. struggling at times. And everyone in this sort of COVID mm. uh, crisis, on, mm. you know, has been struggling with some aspect of of this change. Um, yeah. and will struggle with some aspect of this change. So you're certainly not alone in, in that kind of suffering. It's, uh, you know, so sadly, I think that, you know, in our culture, we, we're very much cultured to not talk about our pain and to mm. not kind of acknowledge that, you know, struggle is kind of a, a, feel, a normal part of life. Um, mm. Because of that, I think, you know, we, we often feel a lot of anxiety around even kind of mentioning anything like that. But yeah. 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 Well, I mean, hopefully we've helped change some people's minds to help them change the idea of stigma to, to you know pick up the phone or whatever but you know like i've really loved chatting with you brennan it's fan fantastic and you know hopefully i'll get you on again mate because i just love talking about psychology and you know um <laughs> no, it, it could be a bit of a theme yeah yeah it's um i've really enjoyed it and you know um you know anybody I'll, I'll put some like on the show notes of the podcast i'll put links to your website and things like that but any anything yeah, I mean, you're doing some online courses now with contextual interventions. I know they're targeted towards psychologists and things like that, but yeah, yeah, they're mainly targeted yeah. towards psychologists. Yeah, I am. I'm doing some uh, some workshops. Uh, you know, mm. a little bit later this year. So yes, yep. hopefully I'll have some uh, some stuff up around around that yep. uh, for people in the helping professions. Yeah, on the on the yeah, website cool. or Facebook page. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll put links to all that on on the um, on their website and and wherever this uh, podcast goes. And again, I really appreciate it, mate. And um. We'll talk again on the other side. Thanks, Daniel. Appreciate you having me on. Good to talk to you. See you, mate. See you, mate. Bye-bye. Bye. Untethered with Daniel Borg. So there you go. As you can tell, I really love chatting with Brendan. Order, chaos, change, all issues that we're all struggling with right now. 
When something is taken away from us and we are not in control, how our behaviors are disrupted and the new insight that that brings. And as you can probably tell, I love speaking about psychology in relation to design thinking and how unpacking behavior can give us a real insight into how we operate as a culture. We can see this in how smart advertisers have adopted to COVID-19. But more importantly, let's be honest, we chatted about how psychology is used as a tool to help people get out of their own way and really make some meaningful changes in their own lives. Anyway, thank you for listening and I look forward to bringing you another episode of Untethered with Cyborg. Untethered with Daniel Borg. If you got value out of this conversation, be sure to subscribe, share and rate us on your favourite podcast app.